0: Thank you for your prayers and Gary for your blessing. It's really lovely to be prayed for. Just amazing to be here actually this morning. Just reminded again the privilege of being part of this family, this community. It's so amazing. So grateful to Jesus for it. Just hearing what was shared, May and Rachel. It's just so, so important. And it's together as family and visitors as well. You're so welcome. Family and friends of the Cavagans as well. You're so welcome. We come together now to God's word. Um, and I'm just going to pray one more time. Heavenly Father, I ask in this moment, you would pour out your Holy Spirit. Pour out your Holy Spirit in a way that helps all of us to hear the truth that you have for us this morning. Challenge us, Lord. Speak through me that I might not just speak from my heart, but from your heart, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Two tiny little parables, Jim. I don't know whether you thought that was, uh, you lucked out by getting the, uh, the shortest reading in the world or whether you were gutted, it's like, you know, I'm up for 30 seconds and I'm gone, can't actually see, I think he's gone to the toilet, just did the reading and left, he's like, that'll do, <laughs> hello, you alright, <laughs> had a nice time, um, no, <laughs> oblivious, we'll leave it that way. <clears throat> I've got two questions for you, two tiny little, uh, two short parables, two questions and believe it or not, two videos. I don't remember the last time I used a video in a sermon. I have two this morning. So if you're going to fall asleep, you might wake up in the video. So this is going to be good. That's what we're going to do. And we're going to um, keep an eye on the clock and we're going to whiz through this. But a treasure worth everything is what I want us to think about. A treasure worth everything. Could we have the first video, do you mind? It's an advert that many of you might have seen. If we could have the volume up so we can enjoy it, that would be great. There's a glass and a half in everyone. Brilliant. Could you close it down? Isn't that super? Isn't that great? You couldn't see it perfectly up there. But what a tremendous little video, little advert for Cadbury's chocolate of all things. But this um, little girl goes in. Now, kids, I love this, especially about my kids. They... <coughs> have no idea the economic value of things just haven't got a scooby-doo they just you know they they sort of get out an old coin that's you know like an old Threepenny bit or something and wonder if they could buy something like a computer with it it's lovely and here's the girl coming into the shop her mum says yeah you can go in and have a look local shop probably she goes in and the shopkeeper realizes that when she asks for the bar of chocolate for her mum she's prepared actually although she doesn't know the economic value She does know the value of the things that she gets out of her little purse to give. The the buttons, maybe not so much. But then there's the the lovely pink plastic ring. She's not quite so sure about that one. And then a little unicorn. Oh no, a favourite little toy. And she puts it down. And the shopkeeper realises this little girl's prepared to give this over for her mum. And he gives her the chocolate bar. And in a lovely moment also gives her back the unicorn as change. She knew she had to give over something pretty special for that chocolate bar. She was prepared to do it. Now you and I, we know the economic value of things, don't we? Most of us, or at least we we know enough. Our money, our house, our car, our phone, our tools, our possessions. These are things of genuine importance and value, but I don't think anyone in this room would say they're the most valuable things in their life. They're things more valuable, aren't there? Sentimental things, things attached to memories, maybe letters or photos. And then there are non-physical things which we value hugely, like our health maybe, or our comfort, or our security, or our freedom, or our opportunities, or our reputation, maybe even our hopes and dreams. And then then there are the relationships we have. It's what I started off by saying how much I appreciate being part of this family. The relationships we have in life. And seeing little Joshua and Noah being dedicated this morning. Our family, our friends, our church family, our parents, our children. And perhaps these are the most important things of all, these relationships that we have. The most valuable things of all to us. Think just for five seconds of all the most incredible, valuable things you have in your life. Extraordinary, isn't it? So many things to give thanks for when we stop and we think about it. But my first question is this. Oh, it's come up already. What kind of treasure would it have to be for you to be willing... Is this on loud enough? I can't quite hear myself. Is it? Is it normal? You can hear me at the back. What kind of treasure would it have to be for you to be willing to risk losing everything to attain it? What kind of treasure would it have to be for you to be willing to lose or risk losing everything to attain it? It's perhaps one of the most uncomfortable aspects of the whole of Jesus' teaching the part that says, How far are you willing to go for me? Would you give it all away? Would you take up your cross? Would you be willing to lose your life to find it? I wonder, what value do you put on your relationship with Jesus this morning? When it's compared to everything else in your life. Is it at the top? Or is it kind of near the top? Is it sort of comfortable? Sort of three quarters down? I mean, it's important, but, you know, it's really important, but it's not maybe the most important. It's not everything to me. Our two parables, which we heard read this morning, speak of a person finding a treasure of such value that the person joyfully goes and sells everything so that they might have it. Economically speaking, they sell everything so that they may have it. These may be short little parables. They are really short. Ding, ding, before you know it, the reading's gone. But they're not to be rushed past or taken lightly. My goodness, are they significant. May they speak to us this morning. It's worth noting, before we think about them, these parables are not ones spoken to huge crowds. Okay? Jesus isn't in his usual place on the boat speaking to the crowds on, on the beach. Now These are spoken to his disciples in the intimacy of the house after a long day of teaching. And you can imagine them pressing in, You can imagine them realising this is precious time where the master starts to explain some of the things he's been teaching and now he gives them two new ones, two new parables about what the kingdom of God is like. He says the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Disciples, gather in, listen, listen. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. At the heart of these parables, of both of them, is a person discovering something so incredible so amazing, so unusual and life-changing that they're prepared to give up every other thing they own and have acquired to acquire it. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like, Jesus seems to be saying. This thing that I've gone around talking to everybody about, about the perfect and holy and wonderful rule of mighty God himself in your own life and in this world, It's not trivial. It's not insignificant. It's not debatable what it's worth. Although some may not recognise it, it is treasure worth everything. Those who find this will have gained the single most important thing any man, woman or child could ever discover. And for some, in the first parable... Jesus says, discovering the kingdom will feel like discovering treasure hidden in a field. It's possible that the person he's talking about here was a treasure hunter, but it doesn't say that. It just says he found treasure in a field. It's quite possible that it was a field he knew really well. A field he had great familiarity with. With. Perhaps it's a field he'd trodden a hundred times on his way to work or to market or wherever it was. Perhaps this was not a special field to this man. It was just a field which familiarity had led him to treat with, not disrespect, just with not particularly any regard. It's just an ordinary field. But not this day, not this time. he spots something perhaps it's sticking out from under a rock or you see something glinting in the sun just sort of hidden near the roots of a tree and he stops and he goes over he hasn't gone out looking for it but now for the very first time this field stops being just an ordinary familiar field to be disregarded or treated lightly become something which he must acquire because he's found treasure of such extraordinary worth. How had he missed it before? Why had he never seen it? Why had no one else seen this treasure? Whatever the reason, now in this moment, he realises he must have it and with joy he covers it back over, he goes and sells everything, he comes back, buys the field. I wonder if there's anyone here this morning and I'm not poking at you. I'm just sharing thoughts with you. I wonder, if you're honest, this church, whole church thing and Christianity thing has become a little bit like a familiar field. I think it's what it can be like for our nation, actually. We have great heritage of uh, Christian roots. But also we've become, whilst many people don't know about Christianity, we all know a little bit about it or just enough because we've seen it enough on TV for it to become kind of familiar. Oh, we know what that's all about. We all like to watch a royal wedding or an annual service or a celebration on TV or a little bit of songs of praise. Never a lot of songs of praise, but just a little bit (laughs) of songs of praise. You know, five minutes when you're channel surfing, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? And people go, oh, you know, Christianity. We know what that's all about. You know, it's nothing really too much here. It's either a comfortable thing or an irrelevant thing, a boring thing. Um, (coughs) But we're not expecting anything from it, really. Uh, We're just expecting it to be the thing that it is that we know and it's, it's not really important. It's a bit like, do you remember Harry and Meghan's wedding? Do you remember when the preacher actually preached from the heart about Jesus and about love. And everyone was like, hey, what are you doing? We don't do that, thank you very much. This is a church service. We don't want to talk about that sort of thing. Extraordinary. People were almost aghast. You see, it's been that way from the beginning. Later on in this chapter, this very chapter, soon after teaching these parables, Jesus goes back to his hometown. And of course there we learn that the people knew he was kind of Joseph's kid and they knew his brother and his mother and his sister and they're like, who are you to say anything to us? We know who you are. It says that he did not perform many miracles among them because of their lack of faith. Familiarity had kind of bred an expectation that nothing much was going to happen here. I wonder, is that how you look at Christianity today? Perhaps you're here out of duty or as a family, I'm quite happy with it remaining just a nice familiar field, thank you very much. Certainly not actively looking for treasure. Can I just say this morning, keep your eyes peeled if that's you. For there is treasure here, more valuable than anything else you could ever discover in life. Since there may be others here today, however, who, whilst you've never known it for yourself yet you've started to realise that maybe, just maybe, there is treasure here. Maybe, just maybe, there's something in this. Perhaps you've known it for a while, or perhaps you've just kind of got that hunch recently that, yeah, there might be something about all of this. But so far, you've not done anything about it. You've just let it kind of sit there, kind of seen the glint, and thought, hmm, biding your time. (coughs) Perhaps you've become curious. Like we always say there is no better day than today or even this morning to actually realise what it is you've begun to suspect is real to come towards and walk towards the one who is the treasure you seek to come towards Jesus and as you do that to realise he's running towards you to come and embrace you come and find the one who loves you beyond measure He is the treasure and he's waiting and he's right here waiting for you. I'm not saying that. He says that, even today. So the familiar field. The other little story Jesus tells is of, for some, discovering the truth of the kingdom of God is a bit like not stumbling across something accidentally, but like a merchant who spent his life looking for pearls. Do you spot the difference in this one? He's looking for these pearls. And he's a pro. He knows what he's looking for. And he spent his life, in fact, never stopped going to markets, scanning the offerings, sifting through the fakes, rejecting the forgery, spotting the pearls with cracks and flaws, and only buying the real And the very best. And perhaps by now he's got a small collection of them. A handful of small but beautiful pearls. These were his pride and his joy. His most prized possession. But he goes out looking for more. Until one day he sees something extraordinary. He sees the greatest pearl he's ever come across. And it's there. Surely it must be a fake. It's perfect in every single way. But he discovers that it's real. Never in his life has he heard that such a pearl could exist. And now it's there. And it can be his. And so with haste, he goes away and he sells everything he has. Every other pearl he trades in every sellable item he owned, to buy this one unmatchable pearl of such incredible value. I don't know about you, but I relate to the pearl hunter. When I was 16, that was me. I just wanted answers. I wasn't afraid of questions, I had tons of them, and I didn't want pat answers, and I didn't want easy answers. And church was all right. I quite liked it. I was brought up in a Baptist church. And my family and my friends were good. I knew how to have fun. But I knew something was missing. I was looking for truth. I was looking for wisdom. I was looking for something to make sense of this life which I knew could be so beautiful and yet so painful. I didn't want trendy answers. I didn't want someone else's answers. I wanted them for myself. I was restless, I was unsatisfied. I had a yearning and a brokenness inside. That was until I discovered the pull of such priceless value for myself. Until the day I realized, nobody's gonna do this for me. I'm gonna do this for myself. And I went out to the local Christian bookshop and I picked up some Bible reading notes which I hadn't been doing. And I thought, if there's anything in this, I'm going to find it, or hope I find it. And I read, it was either the first night or the second night, I have the notes, I can't remember, but it was really early on, and I still have those notes. I read Revelation 21, and I read of the future God has for us, a future where there's no more death, no more tears, no more crying, no more illness, no more pain, no more suffering. The old things have gone, a future where Father God wipes every tear from our eyes, And I knew I'd found it. I was like, Lord, if that is your heart for me and that is your heart for the future, for this world, then I will follow you. If that is why Jesus came, to win that for me, to forgive me so that I can be in that place and have those tears wiped from my eye whilst I enjoy the joy of seeing that happen to all those found in you. Lord, I love your heart and I want to follow you. I found the pearl of great price. In fact, as I learnt pretty soon after, the pearl of great price had found me. (laughs) I wonder, are you someone who's questioning for truth this morning? Don't be ashamed of that. I love questions. God can handle all our questions. Perhaps you feel you haven't found it yet. Perhaps you're looking for pearls and you've picked up a few nice ones along the way. You quite like what you've seen, some of this stuff, some of the morals and some of the social benefits, but you're not really sure what's at the heart of all of this, what it's all about. Well, can I say to you this morning, keep going, keep searching, keep asking, don't be afraid because every pearl you have gathered already will pale into insignificance compared to the one pearl of great price when you discover him for yourself, when you discover Jesus The only one who is the answer to your yearnings. The only one who is the answer to your deepest questions. The answer to the pain and to the joy. May I say, if you really are looking for him, and I mean if your heart really is open to the Lord, he promises you will find him. He doesn't want to make himself hard to find. The Bible says, in Jeremiah, you will seek me and find me when you search me for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I will be found by you. Perhaps it's time to go on the Alpha course. Perhaps it's time to have a conversation. Perhaps it's time to have another look. Perhaps it's time to go and buy the Bible reading notes and realise no one's going to do this for myself. Let me drill down more. Let me see. Let me be more open to what the Lord might want to say. Press him further For when you find that pearl of great price, everything else changes. And everything else pales into insignificance when you realise who he really is. It's not hard to imagine the disciples pressing in to Jesus as he's telling these uh, uh, amazing picture stories, these parables that he does. Relating to what he's saying, I particularly like to think of Peter. Remember the first time he met Jesus? He was no pearl hunter, He was a fisherman. Jesus was only just down the beach and he couldn't be bothered to go listen to him. He stayed looking after his nets. We need to just fix this net a bit. Don't worry about that over there, you know. But Jesus ended up on his boat. And Jesus ended up performing that miracle in front of him. And Peter's just like, Lord, get away from me. You're too amazing. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Come and follow me. And Peter realised the treasure in that moment he had discovered. And Peter left everything. Boats, nets, massive miraculous haul of fish worth many, 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 many days labour. He dropped the lot and he followed him. He gave everything for the treasure he'd found. See, Peter's response was exactly the same as both the man in the field and the merchant. They went and they sold everything, it says. Now that's difficult, isn't it? Parables are tricky. We never know how far to press them. Parables don't like being taken too literally and they don't like being squashed. They don't like being processed and everything ticked off in a perfect box. If you're going to try and do that to a parable, you're going to squash it. Normally Jesus is trying to get one massive point across. But there are meanings to parts of parables and often he explains them. But in this one, we need to be careful that we don't think somehow Jesus is saying we can buy the kingdom or that it's up for grabs if the price is right. Jesus made it quite clear throughout his ministry that the worldly way of doing money and power was so different to the kingdom, so very different. Indeed, this gift is so incredible, nobody could ever deserve it, let alone actually afford to pay for it. Instead, he says this in Luke 12. Do you, do you remember this verse? Isn't it lovely? He says, do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Do not be afraid, little flock. The Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. The kingdom is something our Heavenly Father is pleased to give us. There is no way we could ever earn it. We must not get caught in the religious trap that so many have throughout history, thinking we could Or we should. It is the Father's delight to give to all who what? Who love the Son. Who recognise the Son. The one who has bought it. And indeed, this is a gift. The gift of his presence. The gift of his love. The gift of his care. A gift that cannot be bought. Yet, straight after these words, Jesus also says to those listening, and get this, the Father's going to give you the kingdom. He then says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Ouch. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. You see, there is a response in these two parables There was the discovery, but now there is the response. And there is a cost indicated. But this cost doesn't buy the kingdom like it does in the parables. It's just a reflection of the heart's gratitude for what we've discovered, what we've been given. Finding the treasure worth more than everything else in their lives for these two men. Their actions revealed where their hearts really were. May I just ask you A question I wonder whether in the affluent Western church would people know we're followers of Jesus by our spending choices, by our life choices, by our words and our actions. I find that a difficult question. I include myself in its uncomfortableness. But perhaps there is a deeper question. And it's this, does Jesus really have our hearts? If so, what cost are we willing to sacrifice for him? I'm going to speed up here. But I remember being asked this question just a few years ago at Bristol Baptist College. How far will your yes go or does your yes go for Jesus? And the insinuation by my tutor was that it should go to anything and everything. Always. And I remember feeling angry. I remember feeling that's not fair. That's not a good question. Because I remember thinking, yes, my yes would go hugely far with my money and my things and my stuff. But then I thought about my kiddies. And I thought, ooh. No. (laughs) I'm not sure. I'm being honest, okay? I thought, no. No, I will not ruin or hurt or neglect or endanger my kids. Deliberately, like, traumatise them. I'm not going to do that, Lord. I can't. And I was wrestling with this. And I thought, but what if he called you to do that? <laughs> and I began to think of that story of Abraham sacrificing Isaac. And I thought, oh, it's a horrendous story. It's like the worst story in the whole of the Bible. What's that doing in there? How could he do that? And then I realised and remembered... And kind of discovered as I looked into that story that it's not just a story like we've been told in Sunday school about Abraham's obedience to the Lord, although it is, and going that far. It's actually in a culture where Molech was a God who was worshipped, where all sorts of people all around Abraham were already doing this regularly, sacrificing their children to idols. It is a culture where God said, Would you be willing to do that? And then right at the moment He is. God says, No, that's not the God I am. I've not called you to sacrifice your children. In fact, God later calls it an abomination. It's one of the things that gets Israel ended up in captivity for. It's one of those things that the God says, That is an abomination. God's not the one who wants us to deliberately hurt or harm our children in his name. That has never been his plan. We discover in Jesus that he's the one who pours out his Holy Spirit to mend relationships. To help me be a fantastic father, though I'm not yet. Come Lord Jesus, help me more. He wants me to be a brilliant father for my children. He wants me to show them his love and his care and his protection That's our God. Let's not mistake our God. Let's not confuse our God. He called the practice an abomination. But, 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 Jesus did warn that there is a great cost in following Him the surrender to the world and to my own rights, which comes from obedience to Him, but the cost of opposition and persecution. They will persecute you just as they persecuted me, Jesus said. And you see, sometimes following him will mean even the most painful breakup of family relationships. A father will turn against his son, Jesus said. Brother against brother, a child against a parent. Even today, the message of Jesus is hated by many. And those who love him are hated by many. Even by those in their own family. Don't for a moment think that Jesus loves all this Pain and destruction, he's come to kind of cause all this division and hurt and he's not. But the cost in this life of following him can bring those things. It can result in that. And Jesus still says, but will you follow me? For many of our brothers and sisters, that's a cost that they know too well. I'm aware of time, but I'd really love us to watch this video if we could. Just the three minute video um, from Open Doors. It's incredibly humbling, isn't it? Isn't it? How could they do that? How could they stand it? Why? I struggle to answer on their behalf, but I know their answer because they give their answer. It's hugely profound and it's hugely simple. It's simply because they found the greatest treasure of all. A treasure worth everything. They have realised the unmatched value of who Jesus is and they love him. He has won their hearts and nothing can change this. In the words of a North Korean Christian refugee called Chan, despite it all and despite all my suffering, I love God with my whole heart. I am so grateful for him. I don't know what the cost of being a Christian is to you. For some here it may have been quite high. For others it may still be there, but it may be more manageable. But there is a cost. It's the cost of laying down our rights and picking up our cross. Even when it hurts, even when it's hard, even when others criticise and condemn, It doesn't earn our salvation. That is given to us because of Jesus. But it is our heartfelt response. The daily choice to surrender and to walk in obedience. We're not alone as we do that. The Spirit is with us. Peter would one day know what it was to give everything. Jesus asked him in their final conversation on earth, Do you love me? feed my sheep but Peter it will cost you everything they will kill you but come follow me and Peter did he gave him his everything because of the treasure he'd found my final question and I leave on this question do we truly realise the treasure we have in Jesus as individuals, as a church? Do we truly realise the treasure we have in him and do we truly love him? I wonder what the Father would say to us. Do you realise who he is? He's my son. He was with me in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. He holds all things together. He was my delight and is my delight. We were part of the Trinity in heaven forever. Beautiful eternity, yet he stepped down. He willingly chose to come and enter into your brokenness. He did nothing wrong, not one thing. No sin. But he took it all on, all of yours, because he loves you. Because I love you. He dealt with it. Do you realise who he is? He is my Son, whom I am well pleased. Do as he says. Follow him. You don't realise the dreams he has for you, the hope he has for you, the victory he's won for you, the love he has for you. Do you realise who he is? You see, friends, we can never spend enough time focused on Jesus. We can never exaggerate him high enough. We can never praise him exaltedly enough. We can never lift his name up too many times. It's all about him. And there's maybe, just maybe, a small chance that the parable has nothing to do with us finding treasure at all. It could be that Jesus meant he was the one going out in a field looking for us were hiding. And he considered us such treasure that he was prepared to give everything, even his life, to win us and find us. Do you realise the treasure that you have in Jesus? Shall we just pray? If I could invite the band up, that would be great. Jesus, I want to keep my prayer simple this morning. I just want you to help us realize again more of who you are and your priceless value. Help us to love you more, Jesus. Help us to be willing to follow you, whatever the cost. For you are our treasure and we love you. And we can't comprehend that you say the same to us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.